Hey, Bev. Hey, Sam. What you drinking over there? Well, it is 11 o'clock in the morning, so I decided to be a decent human being and just put some rum chata in my coffee. And it is quite delicious. Mmm, that does sound very decent of you. Yeah, I feel like I could put this in cereal because it kind of tastes like a cinnamon toast crunch. So I could eat like (laughs) boozy cereal, but I figured that wouldn't be great for the audio. So yeah, there's a reason we don't call this we drink and we eat things. Right. Even though we could eat what we farm. But anyways, (laughs) what are you drinking over there? So I'm being a decent human being also, and I'm having coffee with some old Smoky Mountain Java moonshine in it and peppermint creamer. It's quite delightful. It's very seasonal and boozy and coffee. It sounds fancy, too. Yeah, I mean, what more could a person ask for? I don't know. Maybe like a... (laughs) Like some bacon with that? I don't know. <laughs> mm, yeah, I could totally go for some bacon right now. But bacon. anyways, uh, welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things, the mini-sode. Yay! Hooray! Finally, we're doing a mini-sode where we're not interviewing somebody, even though we love interviewing somebody's. So I'm pretty excited to deep dive into a new topic. Yeah, I am too. So in case you don't know what a mini-sode is, it's just kind of where Sam and I interview somebody or we just talk about one thing and we do our best to keep the BS down. But I mean, who are we kidding? Uh, we're going <laughs> to bullshit a little bit because that's that's just what we do. We drink and we bullshit. It's who we are. We can't stop being who we are. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> thank you, Ashley Kiernan, for sponsoring our drinks this mini-sode. Cheers, lady. Cheers. And this mini-sode is just for you. And you requested it long, long ago, and we're just now getting to it. But we wanted to do you justice in your request, so we hope you enjoy this episode all about goats. Hooray! Hooray. I should have made a goat bleeding noise right there, but... There we go. <laughs> Sam Sam does much better sound effects than Bev does. <laughs> Meh. That's the best I can do. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Was it? Okay, good. Yeah. (laughs) And that's our episode for today. Thanks, guys. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this mini. It was very mini. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Okay. But in all seriousness, we do want to go over some... um, I wouldn't say this is like a deep dive necessarily. I think we're going to glaze over a lot of different goat topics. And then we'd love to get feedback from you guys about if, you know, did we miss something? Did, is there like another technique that we could have talked about? Is there a section that we talked about that you want more information on? So you can give us feedback via email, drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Or you can go over to our group, We Drink and We Farm Things, and give us your feedback there. Yeah, because we want to talk about the things that you want to hear about. Yes, yes, we do. Even if it means you tell us and then we do it like six months later. (laughs) Hey, we do what we can. We do. So, Sam, when you decided to get into goat farming, how did you find your goats? Well, I did a Google search and I found... This farm um, called Resurrection Ridge, it's since moved um, from its original location. And I know she sold off a lot of her flock, but she was pretty reputable. She, her flock has won a lot of awards. So um, I looked at reviews and things like that. 
And then I had to do this thing where you have to convince the husband it's a great idea. <laughs> yep. It was <laughs> it was right before we moved in to this house. And I knew I had to like put a deposit down. Otherwise, the ones that I would want wouldn't be available to me anymore. So what this lady did was she showed pictures on the website of the sire and the dam. And you could kind of see like the qualities and the cuteness of them and imagine in your brain what their babies would look like. And then you could choose if you wanted the female, the male, or a weather. So it was kind of like the lottery because you didn't know if they would have a girl or a boy. But that's what I did. I convinced my husband while we were at Disney World after a couple drinks. And we were tired from walking around Epcot all day. And the kids were in the pool. And we were a little drunk. So it was a great time to convince him. He said yes. I put the deposits down. And then they were born in April. And... Then I got to go get them in June. So that's how I found mine. There are many other ways to find goats. But Bev, how did you get to your goats? So mine is kind of similar, except I didn't get to go to Epcot to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, goats were something that I always wanted on my homestead. And in fact, like when we were first talking about moving, like I'm talking a whole year and a half before we even moved, I was dreaming about my future goats. But once we were moved into our house and we kind of settled in, I started doing some research into it because I thought that I was just going to be able to like go on Craigslist and go pick up a dairy goat because that's what I have my goats for. I'll eventually breed them and then I'll milk the does because that's what I want. I want goat milk. So I had to I, I, I didn't realize that if you want something more than just pet goats, you have to do a little more than that and there's waiting lists for Nigerian dwarf goats like you just mentioned you have to pick the dam and the sire and put your deposit down and whatnot so I did that and I got on a couple of lists and lucky for me um, the farm that I picked and managed to get on a list for was a good one because there were like no reviews I couldn't get any information so just had to kind of go with my gut and mm-hmm. uh, it turns out that they're really good guys. It's uh, the farm that I went with, a Seven Oaks Farm Nigerian Dwarf Goats. And they're located really close to Eaton, Ohio, which is uh, very close to the Indiana border, sort of in the middle of the state. But yeah, that's that's my story. I don't think I missed anything. Didn't you like only commit to like three or four and then you got another one because they're like potato chips and you just can't stop (laughs) yeah I I put myself on the list for two three if I was lucky and it turned out that I guess just a lot of people weren't into buying goats this spring that I ended up getting mine either that or the breeders really liked me and wanted me to take (laughs) all of their goats I'm not really sure which one it is because um, I went out there like a couple of times and kind of like got to take a tour and hold the goats. And they taught me a lot about like, you know, how to feed them and how to take care of them and stuff. Um, and so maybe they just saw that I was like really serious and I was going to be a good home for them. But I got my two and then I got a third one um, guaranteed to me. And then I got a fourth one guaranteed to me. <laughs> and then little mini Coop, he's our weather he didn't have a home and the breeders like really loved him and thought he was super special. So they just asked me if I would foster him until they found a home for him. And then of course we kept him cause you, you can't foster a 
baby goat. They're they're too adorable. You, you just want to keep them all. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, so I have five now. Yeah. And I have five as well. But yeah. I my original was two. And Biscuit is a weather. Maya is a lady goat. And then a couple of years or about mm, less than a year later, I got two more from the same breeder, but somebody else got them. And then I saw it on the on the Facebook page, so I snagged them up and got them. Um, and then little tutors came to us around the same time as I got the other two. I think they were like, I got them a day apart. And I got him as like a week old bottle baby. And he did stay in the house for a while. So <laughs> talk about not being, I couldn't imagine fostering a baby goat, like you said, because they just like crawl their way into your heart and there's no way I was letting anybody take him. Yeah. I mean, although if there are goats in need, fostering is definitely a good thing that you can do. Um, if you can't yes. keep all of the baby goats, then you get to foster them and love them until they grow up and can be away from you. And then they can find a new home and you can get new babies and you're just in babies all the time. So, Right. I just have no self-control. Yeah. I just want to keep everything. Because <laughs> I like to live in a zoo. Yes, me too. <laughs> So are yours registered or unregistered? I have two registered goats, um, and they're triple registered through ADGA, which is the American Dairy Goat Society, AGS, which is the American Dairy Goat Society, and NDGA, which is the Nigerian Dairy Goat Association. And then I have two that are unregistered. And then Coop, because he's a weather, he doesn't get to be registered because he can't sire babies. So he doesn't matter. Well, he matters. He, he just, matters. Yeah. Not when it comes to registration. He's not recognized as a real boy. <laughs> no, he isn't. <laughs> um, what about you? Do you have any registered goats? So Maya is actually the only one that's registered. The reason Diana's not registered is because she has a, I forget what it's called. One of her, she's got like a extra or her nipple is like, I can't remember. Now I'm going to have to do a corrections corner, but I can't remember what it's called, but like the teat is deformed. So she couldn't be registered, but yeah, Maya's the only one. And I believe she's ADGA. Okay. I'd have to dig up her paperwork, but she's the only one. I could have registered Little Toot, but it just, I, I'm planning on breeding mostly just for, you know, like you, the, the milk aspect of it, and then just selling like pet kids. Yeah. So I kind of want to see how our first round of breeding goes, and then, you know, determine if I want to bring in more goats that are registered into the herd if I want to get really serious about it. But maybe we'll do this first round of babies and it's too much, you know, with working full time and everything. But we'll see. It'll be an adventure and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, because the registered kids cost more to start out with. Um, Mm -hmm. My registered goats were $200 more a piece Mm -hmm. than the unregistered kids were. And the registration costs money too. I just finished my ADGA registration I still need to get my AGS and my NDGA since the since the registered goats that I have can be triple registered. I'm going to go ahead and register in all three of them. And they all have their costs, their paperwork, their advantages, or I mean, I guess disadvantages, but if you cover all the bases, then 
there's um, not really anything to lose other than you've invested more money in your herd if you're going to be serious about it. Because, mm-hmm. like, you need registered kids if you're going to show them at the fair or, you know, you want to sell serious registered goats to other people who want to show at the fair or want them for various reasons. But there's nothing physically wrong with unregistered kids. Just at some point, their parents weren't registered, and that's why they're unregistered. So they could totally conform to all of the dairy coat standards and provide you with the best milk you've ever had and be unregistered. Mm-hmm. So right, yeah, if it's just for fun, then you may not necessarily want to go through all that trouble. I decided I'm going to kind of tiptoe into it to see where it goes, because making money on my farm wasn't something that was in my farm plan. But now we're starting to sort of think of what's what I'm looking for, like, you know, more side gigs or more Mm -hmm. like security in keeping our homestead and making a few bucks on the goats is something that could definitely help with that. So, right. Because I work full time, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, when I got my ADGA registration, uh, they assigned me a tattoo number. So, like, I have a herd name and a tattoo number and all of that. Um, but Ooh. my goats that I purchased, they will keep their herd name. It's only the kids that are born on the farm that will have my herd name. So it's kind of fun and interesting how it all works. How? Oh, so what's your herd name? So I think I accidentally messed it up and put my first name and my last <laughs> name. So I think my herd right now is called Beverly Ross. <laughs> but I had intended to have it called Ross Roost Farm. So I need to figure that out and contact whoever I need to contact to fix that. Because I filled it all out online. Their websites are all kind of, what's what I'm looking for, like old. Not intuitive. (laughs) Not intuitive. Yeah. So um, I got my like certificate, you know, that you can like frame and hang on the wall. And it just says my name on it. And I was like, hmm. I think I messed this up. That's all right. I'm sure I can fix this or I'll just register again. Because <laughs> it was 45 bucks to do the ADGA registration, which is why okay. I only registered with one for now. Right. Because I wanted to go through the process and make sure that I didn't, you know, like really screw something up. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> which, I mean, it turns out I might have. So hmm, adventures and learning how to register yourself. Woohoo. Hmm. <laughs> And when you get your first baby goats, you're going to have to decide whether or not you want to have horned or disbudded goats. So yeah, horned goats are, I feel like it's sort of obvious, but they're goats that have their horns that they are born with. Um, But not all goats are born with horns. Some are pulled, which Mm -hmm. means that they are naturally hornless. Right. So you probably, if you're in any, any goat groups, you might see that sometimes there's heated debates over keeping horns on your goat or disbutting them where you take the horns away from the goat. And we'll get into the details of that, but we're not recommending one or the other. Right now we're just kind of supplying you the options and why horns are good, why they're bad, and why disbutting is good or why it's bad. So Bev and I both have disbutted goats in our flock because you kind of have to choose one or the other. So this is something you probably want to think about before you invest in goats, um, because disbudding needs to take place pretty early on in the um, kid goat's life. So if we back back up to why horns are good, they actually serve a lot of utility purposes for the goat. They help regulate temperature and hot weather. 
They're really good for itching, um, and they can serve as protection against predators. Um, but I, I don't know about you, but my goats are scared if I like throw a little beach ball in their pit and they run away. So I don't know how brave <laughs> they actually are. Yeah, I was going to say, um, we have the same routine every day, and my goats jump at the same things in the barn daily. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know if horns would really help them against predators because I, I don't know that they would really use them. <laughs> yeah. They would mostly just run. Goats are really good runners. Yes, they are. <laughs> and having horns does have some disadvantages as well because goats have a hierarchy, kind of like a pecking order. Mm-hmm. So there's like, you know, a top goat and a goat on the bottom. And if you have a mixed herd of disbudded goats or pulled goats and horn goats, then the goats that don't have horns could be at a disadvantage to getting like feed and water and the minerals and other things that they need um, because the horned goats will sort of be hogging them all and keeping them away from them um, because horned goats can obviously hurt an unhorned goat a little more easily than a dehorned goat could hurt a horned goat. And also, um, goats with horns can be intimidating to people. So uh, you can get injured by a horned goat while you're milking them or trimming their hooves or giving them any type of medical care. Mm-hmm. And there could also be issues with letting human kids play with horned goats unattended. Um, there can be issues with disbutted goats and kids unattended as well, of course. Um but the horns sort of add an extra unknown element to it. And horned goats can also get their horns stuck in all sorts of crazy things and end up dying, you know, from starvation or from a predator finding them because goats are just naturally curious and they stick their heads into everything <laughs> that their head fits in. That is no yeah. joke. <laughs> yes. If it fits, they slide it in there. I was going to try to make a fun rhyme, but couldn't think of anything fast enough. <laughs> If it fits, they slide it in there. Sounds pretty dirty, though. So. Yeah, it does. It doesn't. It? <laughs> Sounds like you're talking about little toot. <laughs> Sorry, people had to go there. Yeah, but yeah. So dis disbutting. You know, after you heard all of those disadvantages of having horn goats, you're like, well, why wouldn't I want to disbud my goat? Um, I think there are a few things you need to consider while deciding if you're going to disbud your goats or not. So. Um, it's totally unpleasant to do. I've never done it, but I've seen it get done. Luckily, with the four that I got from the breeder, the disbudding took place and I didn't have to witness it. But with tutors, he was a week old when I got him. And you typically want to do it within the first couple weeks of their birth because you don't want them to get too big because then it just it gets a little more complicated. But basically... They use this tool that, um, or at least I don't know if there are other ways to do it out there, but this is how it was done to my goat. They take this like iron and put it over the little nubbin of the horns that are coming in and they essentially like burn it off. Um, And there is some screaming from the kid goat. They say it doesn't really hurt them. It's just more that they're scared and it's hot and it's, it's pretty quick though. As long as the person knows what they're doing. I wouldn't do it myself. Um, somebody came out and did it for me for like $10 and the breeder knew them. So it was a trust thing. She's done her goats for years. So she came out and did it within the matter of like five minutes, did it really quick for 10 bucks. And, uh, then they put some blue coat on top of it. So he did kind of smell like burnt hair for a little bit, 
But um, after probably like 10 minutes, he was fine. He didn't care. It's like it never happened. That's good. Yeah, I was wondering if it hurt them because I didn't get to witness my goats being disbutted. Um, but I've heard that it can be very unpleasant to watch. And yeah. I'm going to have to learn how to do it because if I want to keep any of our goat kids, I'll be disbutting them since my original herd is disbutted. Right. Yeah, I plan on just calling this lady. I'll pay her <laughs> That's money. a good plan. I wonder if I can find <sighs> anybody local to do it for me. I wonder I wonder if your feed shop person or feed store person might know somebody. Oh, I'm sure that he does. He's been incredibly helpful to me. So you're right. Maybe I'll talk to him. And at, at any rate, I have to learn how to do it from somebody. So Right. Because it's definitely not something that you want to just like jump into, I guess. Um, right. I mean, there are, there are YouTube videos, I'm sure, but... But yeah, it's it's traumatic. Um, you kind of like I my stomach kind of turned just watching it. But you want to make sure that whoever is teaching you or whoever you invite over to do it knows what they're doing, obviously, because if they do it wrong, it can cause infection, which in r- rare cases can cause death. And also, if it's not done correctly, like if they don't get the horn all the way um, burned off, I guess you would say, the horns can grow back in pieces called skurs which are these gross little horn alien looking things that can grow backwards and dig into the goat's head. Yeah. And um, poor Minnie Coop has skurs. Oh. I think Toot does too, right? He, I think he's just got a little like nubbin that's kind of pointing up. So we're keeping an eye on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Coop breaks his skur off all the time, um, mm-hmm. which can be pretty gross because it bleeds a lot when it breaks off. A little blood stop powder or cornstarch can take care of bleeding um, if you find that it just, you know, won't stop. Um, but his also sort of grow back and into his head. So every day when I'm feeding them at nighttime, I always walk over to him and give him a good head scratch so I can feel where it's at um, because mm. I can trim him with the hoof trimmers if I need to keep it from digging into his head. So far, I haven't had okay. to do that because he breaks it off like every three or four months, I'd say. Okay. This is the third time he's broken it off, and we've only had him since March of 2018. Okay. So he breaks it off pretty often because, you know, they headbutt each other. So <laughs> Right. Yes. Um, but yeah, I also have a polled goat in my herd as well. Actually, I have two polled goats. Oh. Um, Tonks is polled and so is Sky. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, Sky's polled horns are starting to kind of grow in, which feels really weird. I can't find any information on the internet on it, but she has like teeny tiny horns. They're like the length of half of my pinky and they're a little sharp um, and they're hidden underneath the fur that's on her head so you can't see them. You can only feel them, but I'm just going to leave them alone because there's no point in burning them off now. And they're so small, they can't cause any harm to anybody. So I'm just kind of keeping an eye on it. I'll have to ask the breeder about them when I see him because I think that he's going to be where I take them to be bred the first time. So, Okay. All right. So I guess the next topic we could talk about is whether you should have bottle babies or if they should just be weaned from mom. Yeah. And, you know, that's funny. I feel like everything in like the chicken keeping and goat keeping world, it's all a hot debate. 
I don't understand why people just can't see that there are advantages and disadvantages to doing things each way. And you kind of got to do what works for your farm. Right. But yeah, obviously, um, getting goats weaned would would mean that you leave them with their mom until they don't need to drink her milk anymore. And then you pick them up then. And a bottle baby, you can take as soon as they've had their fair share of colostrum because it's really important that a baby goat gets that first colostrum from mom because that's what's going to give their immune um, their immune system a boost. Right. So at a couple days old, you can pick up a bottle baby. For their Biscuit and Maya, we got them around six to eight weeks old. They're two weeks apart. So they were both bottle babies when I got them. I do believe that that breeder separates them from mom. Maybe. I'm not sure. Because mom was pretty upset when I took one of her babies before, which was heartbreaking. Yeah. Leaving the farm and mom just like wailing as she sees me walking away with them. Yeah. Heart wrenching. (laughs) But with tutors, you know, he was bottle baby all the way after the colostrum. Now, if mom isn't wanting to feed the babies at all, you can get colostrum replacers at your feed store. Big box feed stores definitely have them. Um, but obviously, and we could probably say breast is best for this. <laughs> it's, you know, usually more convenient to just have mom give them that, um, especially if they are born when you're not around. But it might be a good thing just to keep a small bag on hand, just in case, worst case scenario, you know, your doe is giving birth and then it's like, screw this. I don't want this baby hanging around my udder. Um <laughs> That was a really awkward way of saying it. But you know what I mean. Sometimes they just don't know how to be moms. Same with like a chicken. If they hatch an egg, they might end up like pecking the chick to death because they don't understand what it is. So, you know, sometimes it just doesn't go as planned. So it's good to have that there um, on hand just in case. But what we did with tutors was we had a powdered milk replacer from um, a big box store And we also did whole milk as well. So we did like half and half, or I should say we did more of the powder milk replacer and then some milk. And then eventually we like shifted the ratio slowly as we um, went from one week to eight weeks. And then he got weaned around like 12 weeks because he was very spoiled boy. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to add one more thing to having the powdered colostrum on hand if you are ever going to breed your goats. You want to keep it on hand just in case um, something happens to mom and she gets an infection Mm. or Mm. um, passes away unexpectedly during birth um, because it's really, really important that they get that. I honestly can't tell you off the top of my head why, um, but I have read that it's like very necessary. You can't just take like a a goat that has just been born and just give them milk. They have to have that first. So Right. I think it has to do with immune systems for the goats yeah that would totally make sense right yeah two of my goats i got or no three of our goats i got sky uh tonks and coop as bottle babies um and i just gave them raw cow's milk that worked just fine for them because i have an amish farm that i can get raw milk from so I just added to my milk order every week and they got to drink uh, raw cow's milk. You can also just do like the whole pasteurized cow's milk as well. Or, you know, the milk replacer is great also. And you can um, add the extra vitamins to the milk if you want to. 
by adding 10 drops of polyvisol uh, to the milk, which is like a liquid baby vitamin. You just have to be sure that you get the baby vitamin that doesn't have iron in it um, because iron messes with a goat's ability to absorb copper. Um, and copper is absolutely necessary in a goat. So you want to make sure that you don't mess with that. But two of our goats that we picked up uh, were weaned. Um, I decided to leave them with their moms because they wouldn't switch to the bottle very well. I was originally wanting all bottle babies because I thought that that would make them more attached to me and see me as mom, which like as a new goat keeper was kind of important to me because I didn't know what I was doing. So I didn't want them running from me and being scared of me because I wasn't sure I'd be able to catch them. So uh, it, it ended up working out just fine, though. Our goats that we picked up that were weaned were a little skittish of us at first, but now you can't hardly tell a difference. They're still my two most skittish goats around me, but they'll run up to me. They let me pat them. They let me hug them. I can trim their hooves just fine. So it, all it takes is a few weeks of getting them to trust you, and they're almost just like your bottle babies. So goats that are weaned require a different kind of um, diet, I guess you could say. Yeah, because um, they don't need milk anymore. Lucky right, goats. right. So they kind of slowly get onto grain. I think we started offering to a little bit of grain so he could get used to it when he was a couple weeks old. But he didn't really, that wasn't really like his jam until, you know, he was at an age where you could wean him. But we would just kind of balance a small amount of grain with the milk, so we weren't overfeeding them. Um, but now grain is obviously all of their jam, and they, like, fight each other to get their spot in the little trough. So yeah. <laughs> um, you want to be careful with the type of grain you feed them because, um, especially for weathers and male goats, you want to make sure there's some, um, Bev, tell me if I'm wrong, ammonium chloride? And the feed, is that what it is? Yes, it is ammonium chloride. Okay. I always mix it up with ammonium sulfate, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we got this right. <laughs> and and this helps with their urinary tract um, because if it doesn't have that ammonium chloride in it, it can clog that up, which can cause big problems in your meal goats, and it can even cause death if it's not taken care of. So you want to look for that ingredient. Um, we use noble goat, um, or we did for a while. Now we use a... I think we use the Dumore one, but both have the ammonium chloride in it. And the goats, you know, don't th don't turn their nose up to it. So it works just fine for them. <laughs> yeah, for our uh, grain, we just use, um, it's just called Elliot Crunch, because Elliot is the name of our feed store. And it's like a grain mix that they have Ooh. milled locally. Um, so we use that, but I have a powdered ammonium chloride that I can add to it. I just have the one weather um, and the other goats don't need it. So I actually just feed them the grain that doesn't have the ammonium chloride in it. And I keep it on hand and I keep a close eye on Coop to make sure that he doesn't look like he's having any issues going to the bathroom because um, that'll be your first sign. So I always make sure that I see Coop pee once a day, which can be fun <laughs> or just a little stand boring. There, stand <laughs> yeah. there and wait. <laughs> I mean, luckily, the goats go to the bathroom super often, so it's not usually a problem. Um, but yeah, it can be extremely serious, and uh, a weather or a male goat will die if their 
um, urinary tract gets clogged and they can't pee. So um, it can be pretty serious. So that's why grain in moderation for sure. No matter how much they beg you for more. Oh, because they will. They will beg you for all the grain on the planet. And if you leave it out, they will eat all the grain on the planet. Yes. And obviously, they need hay. And they'll go out and graze in the pasture a little bit. Our goats don't do a ton of grazing. I find if we don't give them an overabundance of hay for them to, like, eat and throw around everywhere, um, they tend to graze a little more. So we try to find a balance. Um, So it encourages them to go outside and get some exercise. Otherwise, they just stay in the barn all day with their head in the haven, um, just overindulging. Yeah. And being fat little babies. So we do try to, like, just put a moderate amount in there in the morning, a moderate amount at night. But they usually regulate themselves pretty well. Some days they just, I wonder if they just eat their feelings like I do. Well, I was going to say, and some days I think they're just playing with that hay feeder. And they're just spreading it all around for fun. (laughs) In the summer, I did not put any hay out in the pasture for the goats because we didn't mow our pasture. So what we did was uh, the goat's pasture was just like an overgrown jungle. And they had to eat their way through it. And they did. They did a pretty good job at it. Towards the end of the summer, I had to start doing some mowing because it was just getting super out of control in there. But yeah, goats will graze tall pasture. They'll graze short pasture. Some goats like to graze. Some goats don't like to graze. But if you've ever heard that saying that goats will eat anything, it's totally not true. Goats will eat any grain. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but or, or treats yeah <laughs> or treats yeah but some goats are just pickier than others um but you just got to kind of find what works for your little farm right they're actually pretty intelligent because we had some nightshade in our um in our goat area and i like freaked out but they were actually smart enough to avoid it um until i could get in there and pull it out so they're they're not as yeah they don't eat everything everything they do put some thought behind it also my goats are pretty bougie they only like uh strawberries that come from my garden that i grow <laughs> they will not eat grocery store ones so oh my goodness they are picky <laughs> picky goats yeah goats will totally eat fresh fruits and vegetables but not all of them and you have to show them to them like 15 bajillion times before they'll actually eat them um mine are only eating pumpkins that's the only thing that i've talked them into eating so far but now they see a pumpkin and they get really excited so (laughs) i just have to take my time with every single thing that i want them to eat they're Um, very cautious like that they are. And I also give mine some black oil sunflower seeds. Yes. I can't remember why. There's a reason, but... It can help with the quality of their coat. Oh, um, okay. So if it's looking a little dull, um, that could mean a couple different things, but it's good to try giving them some black oil sunflower seeds to see if that helps. If it doesn't, it could be something um, with too much iron in your water. Oh, um, Yeah. Or not enough iron and that they're getting from minerals. It could be a couple of different things. So you want to keep an eye on it, but it's not anything to be super alarmed about. Um, just something to monitor and try to do some deducing of what it could be. And uh, other things goats need is they need a good mineral mix and a dish mm-hmm. of baking soda. You know, baking soda you can get at the grocery store. A good mineral mix from any feed store that sells stuff for goats will have something. Um, but otherwise, yeah, they're pretty... Um, they're relatively easy to take care of once you get it down, what they'll eat and what to feed them. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) For sure. So yeah, uh, 
bottle babies are obviously more time consuming at first, um, but we'll see you as mama right away. And wean babies will be a little easier at first because they learned how to goat from mom. So you'll see them do those goat behaviors earlier than bottle babies will. But it just kind of depends on what you have the time and patience for when you decide to get your goats. Yes, exactly. So I don't know about your goats, but mine live a pretty bougie lifestyle with their setup for their, for their, what they call home, I guess you should say. (laughs) Yeah. um, My goats get personally escorted in and out of the barn to the pasture daily. So yeah, I got some pretty freaking bougie goats. They live in a (laughs) horse barn. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Mine live in like... The typical big red barn that if you think about a farm, you kind of visualize. Um, And they have way more space. Like, I could probably pack 20 goats in there pretty easily. (laughs) It would be a freaking mess. But for the five of them, yeah, it's pretty big. And then they are able to just walk right out the door and they have a fenced-in area. I don't think that our fenced-in area is probably nearly as big as your pasture, but I have been slowly talking my husband into extending the fence area. Maybe adding, like, a door in between an extended fencing area. So, like, you know, in the winter, they're not going to go all the way out there because they hate walking in the snow. Yeah, they do. But they, you know, in the summer, they have their just crazy goat energy and they'll zip around. So I would say, you know... Our, between the two of us, our goats live a pretty upscale lifestyle, but goats are actually pretty low maintenance for what they need for shelter. Yeah, they can be in just like a goat shed, which is what we've built in our pasture. We just haven't quite finished it. I I want it to have a door just because I'm an anxiety ridden goat mom. So I want to close (laughs) them in their goat shed every night and let them out every morning, kind of like you do the chickens. Totally well, unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, we actually put our, we close the door every night for our animals as well because I am also an anxiety-ridden individual, and unless I get a livestock guard dog, I will continue closing that door. Yeah. So, so, so my goats do have a shed so that they can live out in the pasture full time eventually. Um, but we're just not there yet. We're kind of taking baby steps. Like when I first got my goats, we didn't even have a fence built. So right, <laughs> they had right. to live in the barn for the first three and a half months because we didn't have anywhere for them to go. <laughs> right. Which totally just goes to show you don't have to have all the things once you get started. Um, but you do have to intend to finish the things because they need a safe fenced in area to be in otherwise they will be all up in your business all day long ruining all of your plants um and your neighbors will not like you very much if you have free range goats so yeah (laughs) so where um diana and cal came from the the goats that i had that were almost a year old when i got them they actually lived like in a more i would call it maybe a more suburban area So they, like, had a backyard that they lived in, and I think they kind of had a low-maintenance hut. But there just wasn't the threat of predators in the same way there would be out here or in a more wooded area. I know you have a lot of woods by you. So it kind of just depends on (laughs) your paranoid level, if you know you have predators around. But they can be pretty low-maintenance. I mean... I feel like at this point, mine might look at the walls and say, this could use a new coat of paint. But 
that's just because they've been spoiled their whole life. Yeah. Most goats <laughs> probably aren't going to care. Nope. Nope. They're really not. And then the last thing you'll have to kind of think about is whether or not you're going to have vaccinated goats. Yes. And vaccinating is another one of those things that's totally up to each farm. Um, but the most common vaccine that's given to goats is the CD&T vaccine. Yes. So definitely Biscuit and Maya got, and I'm guessing Cal and Diana all got that the way they're supposed to get it when they're younger. So I think you're supposed to give it to them at like one week and then you give them a booster, I think a couple weeks later. Oh yeah, it's in the notes here, I guess. (laughs) But two got his first one, but never got his second one. And I'm like, I keep reminding myself, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. Because I, I, it's something that I need to learn myself. I know that it's something that you kind of taught yourself. And through your stories, I've learned that it's not as simple as it looks on the internet. But it is just kind of a precautionary thing that is probably a good thing for me to just buckle down and do that I haven't done yet. Well, and I have a total uh, confession to make as well. Um, so my weaned goats that I got, which are Darby and May... They got their first one at four weeks and their second one at eight weeks because they were with the breeder and then they Mm -hmm. came to me. So they won't need their booster until they're about a year old. My bottle babies, I gave them their first one at four weeks and then totally chickened out and didn't give them their their one at eight Uh. weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So they are both in the same boat as two. Um, They got their first one, but didn't get their booster. So from what I've read online, when this happened, so what I'm going to do is um, I'm waiting until I get the milking stand built because I don't have one yet. So Mm -hmm. when we vaccinated our goats, we had to do it by hugging them and holding them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is not the easy way to do it. And I don't recommend that. (laughs) I'm going to give them their um, one year shot and then in four weeks, give them a booster and then they'll be caught up. And then you just have to give it to them every year after that. Okay. Um, that from what I've read online, that should be totally fine. So, so that's my plan. Um, and I also keep a tetanus antitoxin on hand in case I find signs of tetanus, which we talked about that a little bit in our Minnesota drink and coop dreams, which is Minnesota number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, the signs of tetanus can be really hard to recognize, but it's a nice thing to have on hand in case you can happen to recognize it yourself. Yes. But the CD&T vaccine protects against two things. One of them is called enterotoxemia, which is caused by two strains of bacteria called Clostridium perfringens. All of the vets are laughing at me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Type C and D. (laughs) Um, But basically, it's overeating disease. (laughs) That's a little easier to say. It is. That's what ento- enterotoxemia is. It's it's basically overeating disease. Um, and the bacteria from overeating disease is present in small amounts in a goat's um, rumen. But when they overeat on grain, which can happen if they get into grain bins that aren't sealed properly, or um, a chicken coop full of chicken feed, or um, they overeat the protein supplement that's found in milk or a milk replacer, or they can actually get um, they can get an overabundance of this when they're grazing on new spring growth as well. There, there's something in the young shoots that can that cause the bacteria to over accumulate. Um, but basically, the bacteria get too much sugar and starch, which causes them to grow and cause like toxic levels of this 
bacteria in their blood. I'm not like 100% sure what it is like from a scientific standpoint, but basically like it's, it's totally toxic and deadly to goats if they end up with it. Exactly. So it's just, again, preventative, but some people might not see the need to vaccinate. Some people do want to vaccinate. I think you've told me before that originally you didn't think you would, right? Yeah, I didn't think I was going to. Um, and I shared with uh, Brad from Coop Dreams that I changed my mind after I listened to his story with little Wyatt Earp and how he died of tetanus. So the other thing that the CD&T protects against is tetanus, which, I mean, we, we all get a tetanus vaccine if our parents vaccinated us and we vaccinate ourselves as adults. But yeah, basically tetanus happens when you get a wound that um, gets infected with the tetanus bacteria. You know, which is found in rusty nails or in the soil. Basically, tetanus lives everywhere. Right. You can't get away from it. (laughs) No. (laughs) And uh, newborn goat kids um, have tetanus immunity through the colostrum from their mama's milk, uh, as long as their mama was vaccinated. So that's one of the reasons why colostrum is so important for a baby goat. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun-dun! So yeah, those are just kind of the basics of some of the things that you'll want to think about and decisions that you'll want to make when you decide that you want to get into raising goats. Now, this was like a total like high level, this is like basic baby goat keeping 101. So we didn't deep dive into anything. So if you listen to this and you liked it and you're thinking about getting goats, we really would like your feedback on what sort of deep diving you need us to do so that we can help you out with your new goat adventure because we love it. Right. And just keep in mind, too, that no matter how prepared you think you are, <laughs> it's, it's going to be crazy when it happens. And you might even throw all your plans out the window and change your mind on how you want to approach things. So don't be too hard on yourselves. And just enjoy having baby goats because they're so adorable. Yeah, exactly. So drink. Farm. And and give give zero zero clucks. Bye, guys. We hope you enjoyed our after Christmas mini-sode. Woo!